This week on Thinking Biblically, we're celebrating 25 years of Torah Bites, and if you don't know what that is, stay tuned. Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Well, last night we had a special live event. My son Daniel was my special guest host, and we celebrated 25 years of Torah Bites. Torah Bites is my online weekly commentary that I've been doing where I comment on the books of Moses based on the annual reading cycle that's done in the synagogue. I've been doing that since November 1997. And so uh, Daniel uh, helped me uh, along with some other special guests that came on and we dealt with some questions and I uh, read some uh, Torah Bites messages. And anyway, so I'm going to be playing you the recording of, of that and uh, we're going to pick this up after Daniel had done some brief preliminaries and he's ready to introduce uh, the first special guest of the evening. We're going to dive right into a message from my dad's a longtime friend, Mark Fay. Um, Mark wanted to be here, but he is caught up in another meeting, so he sent this video message, which should work right here. Hey, Alan. I'm sorry I can't be with you tonight for the uh, celebration of Alan Gilman on 25 years of writing Torah Bites. What an amazing accomplishment. Um, we, you, you and I connected up maybe eight or ten years ago through the Truth Project, and one of the things I learned about who you are is, is probably what has driven you for 25 years of producing uh, a commentary on God's Word, and that is a curiosity and a determination to follow the Lord Jesus. And and I, I know that about your blog, that um, it's Torah is, is God pointing us in the right direction, and that's what you've been doing for a lot of people for many years. So congratulations. Appreciate your insatiable curiosity for life, and um, hopefully I'll get back up to Ottawa in the near future. Uh, get another shawarm, shawarma sandwich. Let's talk to you soon. That's for Mark Fay, who uh, yeah, worked for folks in the family, the Truth Project. Uh, Dad, before we go any further, for those who are brand new to some of these concepts, uh, we're celebrating your 25 years of Torah Bites. What is Torah? Yeah, so the, the term Torah actually uh, means different things, uh, describing different things. The word itself, it's often translated as law, but that's not the best translation. It actually means teaching or direction. It refers in the scriptures, it can it refers to God pointing us in the way of life. And and then it so it could you think of it in terms of uh Torah with a small T simply means direction. As I said, you'll often read law, but it means direction or teaching. It because God's primary teaching was given through Moses at Mount Sinai, um, we refer to that collection of direction, collection of direction, as Torah. That God gave the Torah to, uh, to Moses or through Moses at Mount Sinai, and uh, and so that, and then, then because it is primarily found within the first five books of the Bible, we also call that the five books of Moses. We refer to the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, as the Torah. Um, and one more way the term is used, Torah was given within the context of a covenant at Mount Sinai. And, and the way I understand it, and I've tried to explain this many times, is there's the covenant given at Mount Sinai, and it contains God's teaching. So it contains Torah. But because that's the covenant through which we've received Torah. The covenant itself is also called Torah. So the covenant is Torah, its contents is Torah, the books of the Bible through which it's, it's uh, expressed is Torah. Um, you could also think of it in, in the most general sense, it's, it's God's word. God's word is Torah, it's his direction. Okay, well, thanks for telling us about Torah is. What is Torah bites? So Torah bites is a pun. My kids know I love puns. I, I believe the person who said that puns are the highest form of humor. I know some of you won't agree with me, but we could be friends anyway. Uh, so, you know, the internet was becoming a, a thing in the, in the mid-90s, and I had this idea of doing what's called a Devar Torah, 
Devar means a word, a word from the Torah. It's very common in Jewish circles. Rabbis do this sort of thing where, where you give a short teaching based on usually the uh, the, the weekly reading portion, because the Torah, the five books of Moses, are read through annually in the synagogue. So I had the idea of sharing a Devar Torah uh, based on that weekly reading, and it was going to be online. And, and online was still kind of new, so the bytes, it's not like chewy bytes, but B-Y-T-E-S, meaning computer bytes. You've heard of kilobyte and, and megabyte and, and, uh, and gigabyte and so on. When you started, kilobytes were really big, eh? Yeah, kilobytes. Oh, they were so big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a byte is actually eight bits, but yeah, um, that's just an extra. So Torah bytes, online Dvar Torah. So all around the world, every week of the year, uh, people in synagogues are reading the same. All around the world, they're reading the same piece of the Torah, and you're writing a commentary on it. My whole <laughs> life, I've known you as someone passionate about about the Bible, passionate about your faith. Um, in a bite-sized format, was this always the case? How do you mean? Were you always a were, were you a boy that was passionate about oh. what was? Yeah, well, those who know my story, I I was raised in a in a in a Jewish community in a Jewish household, but um, we didn't really take God seriously, and the Bible was not something that was part of my life. Um, I was telling I I teach. I, I teach a, a Bible class in a, in a small Christian school here in Ottawa. And I was uh, telling the kids about how, when I was in grades one and two in a public school in Montreal, uh, teachers read Bible stories back then. And you should have seen the kids' faces when I told them that the Bible was read in public school. They just couldn't believe it. I was surprised how surprised they were. And that was, so I, I was exposed to some Bible stories, but the Bible was was not a part of my life. I knew nothing about the Bible. I never read it for myself until after I came to know Yeshua, Jesus, as my Messiah uh, uh, 46 years ago. 46 years ago. Yeah. Um, well, hey, you're going to have time for people's questions about any aspect of the, your tough passages that you find tr tough to read, or is anything about, about the Hebrew scriptures or the Bible in general, um, or how to write faithfully for 25 years. Please submit your questions in the question box. But as you think of questions, maybe to help you think of some questions, um, I'm going to ask my dad to read uh, Torah Bite. This is one of his brief reflections on the Torah that he wrote five years ago for the 20th anniversary of Torah Bites. Dad, would you go ahead and read that to us? And everyone, just sit back and enjoy. Yeah, so so five years ago it was the 20th anniversary, and so I wrote this. Uh, it was the week of October the 28th, 2017, the 8th of Heshvan, 5778 on the Jewish calendar. Uh, it's based on the uh, that week's Torah reading. Bereshit is the book of Genesis, the Hebrew name. Uh, the the portion is chapter 12, verse 1 through 17, verse 27. And uh, this was the same, I was uh, coming on the same passage that I began with uh, 25 years ago. Um, I started with the, the third reading of the year. And so I'm reading three verses, Bereshit, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now I updated this where it, it used to say 20 years ago, I changed it to 25 years ago to bring this up to date. So here it goes. I am not Abraham, but I know what it means to not really know where I'm going. 25 years ago this week, according to the Jewish calendar, I embarked on a journey into the unknown. I was 40 years old, living with my growing family in a most beautiful part of planet Earth, Vancouver, British Columbia. My work life until about six years before was filled with teaching the Bible and related endeavors. Then having reached the edge of burnout, I was given the sage advice of laying down my ministry for a time, a brief time I thought. In the meantime, since I still needed to provide for my family, I found a different line of work. It wasn't easy due to my education being in theology, solely in theology. I was given the opportunity for retraining in office-based computing, and within a few months I was working in high tech and continued to do so for the next 25 years. Oh, that should say 20 years, for the next 20 years. 
Those years had their ups and downs. I learned a lot about life, myself, and business. Yet my heart was never really in it. Not that there was anything wrong with the work I was doing. It was, it was me. I couldn't shake the desire to return to the kind of Bible-oriented pursuits that filled my life previously. A few years into my high-tech experience, the internet began to emerge as a force to reckon with. In the mid-1990s, I started developing web pages. That's when the only background color available was gray. In those days, few people guessed how pervasive the online world would become. In 1997, that's a year before Google was incorporated, I got an idea. Maybe in my spare time, I could post short Bible messages on the web. I was intrigued by the idea that people who might not normally encounter biblical truth might read what I had to say in the privacy of their homes. I would follow the traditional annual reading cycle of the books of Moses, explaining how these ancient words continue to speak powerfully in our day, especially as we understand them from a messianic perspective, which is the conviction that the promised Jewish Messiah has come in the person of Yeshua of Nazareth. I had no idea where I was going with this, but I started out just like Abraham. I found that expressing myself through writing alleviated some of the heaviness of heart that I had. Even though my normal work hours were given to other things, I knew I had something to share and was willing to put it out there for whomever might see it. Soon afterwards, a friend and colleague who is in our webinar tonight suggested I, I add a subscribe function to my fledgling website so that people could receive the weekly message by email, a cutting edge idea in those early days of the web. And then people actually started signing up. I would kind of giggle uh, when that would happen, and, and I couldn't believe it when I had 50 subscribers. Little did I know that I would still be doing this 25 years later. We read in the New Covenant book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. However, when we read his story, it's clear that he knew what his God-given destination was. So he did know where he was going. Still, the writer of Hebrew, Hebrews is not wrong. While Abraham knew his geographical destination, he understood nothing of what his life would be like there. It's often that way when we respond to God's leading. The steps we are to take, we are to take are sufficiently clear to get started at least. Beyond that, there's no way to know what God has in store except for one thing. The same thing God promised Abraham. Blessing. We will likely be surprised at how the fruit of our God-directed endeavors brings blessing to the world. That's God's job, not ours. Our job is to simply obey His promptings, even when we don't really know where we're going. I don't know how much longer I will continue to produce Torah bites. I can't tell you how many times I thought about that. Today, it's one part of a much broader teaching work, having returned to my life's calling about five, about now, about 10 years ago. Over the years, I've often considered stopping these weekly messages. Then one way or another, the Lord would encourage me to keep going. So we'll see. For now, let me thank those of you who have supported me on this journey for some or most of the past 25 years. What new endeavor might he be calling you to embark on? Thanks, Todd. Um, it's, you started this before Google, and uh, a lot of us, it's hard to remember a world before Google, iPhones, smartphones, and all of this. Um, you've been writing Tor Bytes for 25 years, uh, which um, means you've been, well, you've been pouring over and reading consistently the Hebrew scriptures, the whole, um, all six, six books of the, of the Bible um, for 46 years. And you've been writing, finding insight, and communicating that for these 25 years in Torah Bites. Um, is there anything in, is there anything that has surprised you in that having poured it over for all these years that something that's never hit you before hits you afresh? Oh, that's not an everyday thing, but that's an ongoing thing. Um, it still astounds me. I know people will say things like, oh, I was reading this in the Bible today and I read something um, and it's as if it was, I never saw it before. Um, that happens. But there's also reading passages that I've read many, many times. And then it's, it's the power of it, uh, aspects of it become real in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Um, I'm currently 
uh, in my own personal study, I'm going through First Peter. Um, for the past few years, I've, I've done different things in my personal Bible reading. I've read quickly, um, I've read slowly, and I'm, I'm doing a version of slow right now, and a little differently from my last version of slow. And uh, and so I, I'm in First Peter. I'm seeing things I hadn't seen before, and. There were some things that happened uh, last night, just personally, that I was struggling with, and I woke up this morning, and I'm still struggling with them. And I started, I'm in my passage, and I'm reading small chunks, and it's speaking into my life in ways that I don't think ever happened before. And, and it, I know you, uh, you once heard a talk, and I've, I've used this term before, it recalibrated me unto the Lord. Uh, in a particular way. And then I met with uh, for coffee with one of your sisters this morning um, before I taught school, and it all kind of fit together. And you know, this, the Bible talks about its, itself as being a living word. And it's this, it's the fact that we can never get to the bottom of it. And so I know I haven't given you an actual precise, uh, oh, I learned this thing. I'm talking more generally. Um, but it, it's, I often find like we think that if the the way to know the Bible is is we get it if only we could get it all figured out and we could know what all the the passages all the verses actually mean uh, then that's how we've learned the Bible but actually it's this living word it's God speaking to us through it and while it doesn't mean whatever it means and it can mean all sorts of different things whatever. Um, it's so rich, it's so thick, it's so profound, it's so deep that we, we can learn so many things in it as we go over it again and again. And, and one of the reasons why we notice different things is our lives change, our life circumstances change. So there's elements in various Bible passages that are going to speak to us at this stage of life, in this situation that we're in. And so while this passage might have meant something to me in that situation, it's still the same passage. It hasn't changed, but there's elements of what God is saying in a particular passage that can mean different things. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Have, have you ever found yourself uh, coming back to a passage that you've written uh, about over the past 25 years? Um, now, help us out. Does that mean that you've written on a passage 25 times? No, that would be an interesting uh, uh, analysis. So um, a Torah portion, parsha or parasha in Hebrew, that's the, the, the reading of the week, uh, is between five, usually about five chapters, could, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. Depending on the year, sometimes two portions are read. Um, so that could be quite a bit. That could be, you know, anywhere between eight to 14 chapters in one week. Um, and so what I do is there was a time early on, I think I did this, it's a long time ago now, where I would actually read through the whole portion and then decide what to, what to comment on. Then as the years went by, I would scan it and see what stood out. Um, and so some years, uh, I've, certain parts of certain portions I've commented on more, and then there's all sorts of passages that I still have not touched at all. Okay. Um, as people submit questions, I'll ask them, but I still have a few more for myself. I think that um, a lot of people are asking these questions, at least I am. What are some of the um, what are some of the fallacies or unhelpful approaches that are common in reading the Bible, perhaps specifically again, the Hebrew scriptures? And how might we change those? Wow, that's a really, that's a really big question. Um, there's a wonderful book by D.A. Carson called Exegetical Fallacies, which I read many years ago, which is quite helpful. Um, I remember, in the, the only thing I remember in his book is when he talked about um, uh, having to be cautious about word studies. Um, it's a very popular thing for people who want to get serious about Bible study. Um, a word study is when you look at all the words, a particular word. I basically gave you a word study on the word Torah earlier and talked about the different uses of the term uh, in, in the scriptures. And so that's what a word study is all about. And so um, you pick a word, say it's love. Um, you're probably going to start in English. And, and uh, 
the first thing people should do is find out what the original language words that are translated as love uh, in English. So agape in uh, in in Greek, and I think it's uh, um, it's ohev in 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 Hebrew. Um, so then you look at the original languages and use some sort of concordance. I use Blue Letter Bible. I've sometimes thought of doing a, a thing on how I use some of the online online tools. But anyway, for some of the word studies, I use I often use Blue Letter Bible, and that'll give me the original and then the various usages of the word. But where you have to be careful when you do word studies, and this is D.A. Carson points this out in his book, is just because a word means something in one context it may not mean that in in a, in a different context. And if you think of the English word uh, run, you know, we think, oh, we know what run means, right? Run means to to go quickly with your legs in a fashion that's not different from a walk. At some point, a walk becomes a run. Um, but what about uh, running a recording or a run in uh, a stocking? Um, there's other ways the word run is used. It's, it's the same thing with Bible words. And, and so you wouldn't want to read in the way a word is used in one context into another context. And so the lesson there is a context determines meaning. And that's a very important uh, method of Bible study that, that we should remember and, and where we should be careful about word studies. Um, a big one a big fallacy uh, that's affected large portions of God's people is a very negative view of the Old Testament. Now, I would imagine a lot of people on this webinar tonight, um, and if you have been following my teaching and and still are, uh, you probably don't think that way. Um, And so the, um, um, when Paul says in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for, and then he gives this list, and I summarize that with profitable for effective godly living. He's talking about the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And so he does, he's not saying that the Old Testament is the old, archaic, uh, um, obsolete part of the Bible. He's also not saying that the Old Testament is just the bad examples of, of which is what a lot of large portions of the church believe the whole purpose of especially Torah law is to point out that we're sinners. And then that's supposed to lead us to faith in the Messiah, Jesus. But I'm not sure how teaching people to put their human waste outside the camp to practice good hygiene and sanitation, how that is something that shows that we're sinners. That's actually teaching people a good way to live. And there's so much in Torah, as well as the whole Old Testament, that is so relevant and helpful for us today. Thanks, Todd. You mentioned D.A. Carson's book. I feel like I've read something by you. Do you, do you not have like a mini book about this type of question? Oh, I read- have this this booklet. It was the first thing I self-published called Undermining Forces. Yeah, I list, really I list nine approaches to scripture that undermine the scripture's authority, where we, we do that without really understanding it. The problem with the books, I don't really give the solutions. I only list the problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, I, I've read it as a younger man. I was real blessed. Um, before we go any further, I would love, there's a, my dad has a book called Torah Light, which is a collection of many of the, the best Torah bites over the years. And my wife and I read this as a, as a family at dinner time, and we've read it to guests. And there's, there's a specific one on Joseph that when uh, guests have come over, I've just often read this one because I love it. And so I asked my dad if he'd also be able to share it with you. Um, you'll enjoy it. So, Dad, please read this. Uh, All right. So, yeah, Daniel did suggest uh, that I read this one. Uh, it... Uh, it's from the portion in Sheet, Genesis chapter 41, verse 1 through 44 and verse 17. I originally posted this the week of December the 4th, uh, 2010, the 27th of Kislev on the Jewish calendar, 5771. It's entitled Waiting, and it's based on Sheet, Genesis chapter 41 and verse 1, where we read, After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. The Torah, like the whole Bible, in fact, is not wordy. Perhaps that's due to the scarcity and cost of writing materials in the days it was written. 
In any case, the lack of lengthy description in no way diminishes its literary depth. So much is communicated in surprisingly few words. An example of this is found in the short phrase at the beginning of our verse, after two whole years. The Hebrew reads, Vayehi miketz shenatayim yamim, more literally translated as, and it was the end of two years of days. And it was the end, oh sorry, I'll say it again. And it was at the end of two years of days. This expression underscores for us how long a time it really was. Our translation tries to get this across with two whole years. But since readers of English tend to take statements of time simply as, I should slow down, simply as calendar references, this may come across as nothing more than two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. By contrast, two years of days draws us into the experience of Joseph, who after correctly interpreting the dreams of, of his influential fellow inmates, had to endure over 700 more individual days in a horrible dungeon. Throughout the Bible, we have stories of people who've had to endure great hardship for long periods of time. When we read these accounts, the waiting periods fly by in an instant uh, unless we stop to think about it. In Joseph's case in particular, the wording, at least in the original Hebrew, draws our attention to what the passing of time must have been like for Joseph after all he had gone through. First, he was hated by his own brothers who sold him into slavery, and then he was unjustly incarcerated in an Egyptian dungeon. While God was with him and gave him favor in these difficult circumstances, we cannot underestimate how difficult it must all have been. God doesn't work according to our expectation of time. If we had our druthers, we would get everything instantly. We think that getting something faster is almost always better, but that's not God's way. Living things develop over time. Good food takes time to grow. Good food takes time to prepare. It takes time to manufacture quality products. Good character takes a lifetime. It's, bare, it's likely that before Joseph experienced his hardships, he wasn't ready for the kind of leadership to which God destined him. I don't think a person like Joseph, who had no issue telling on his brothers and broadcasting dreams that foretold his place of prominence among them, would necessarily treat his family or anyone else with the type of kindness he ended up extending to them. It's possible that the time delay was designed to allow for deep work in Joseph's heart to take place. I'm aware that the Torah gives no comment as to the work of God in Joseph's life, but we do know he endured abusive and oppressive circumstances for a long time, and that something about those last two years in, particularly, in particular was especially long. Whatever God was doing in Joseph's heart and life, is this not what many of us go through? There's a proverb that reads, that's in Hebrew, the book is Mishlei, the book of Proverbs 13 verse 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Waiting for God-given expectations to be fulfilled can be sickening. Those of us who have experienced this may sometimes think we would be better off without the hopes than having to wait and be given glimpses of our hope's fulfillment only to have to wait again. But God knows what he's doing. His timing is perfect. We will never know all that he's accomplishing during our periods of waiting, but we can be assured that if we truly love God, then he's doing everything necessary to accomplish his purposes in us and through us. Thanks, Dad. Um, the way that you unpack the experience of years of days is something that um, I find so meaningful. Uh, anyone who's tuning in who has experienced um, chronic illness, who has uh, experienced, as you talked about, the proverb of hope deferred makes your heart sick, uh, of, of, of advocating for something or longing for a prodigal sibling or child to return to the faith um, or to relationship. Anyone who just has that longing or, or illness or uh, challenge for days and days and days, uh, that expression, years of days, that uh, God is able to express through his, the, the Bible um, the, the pain that it was for Joseph and God's faithfulness. Years of Days also reminds me that we're celebrating 25 years of you writing this. Is there something about, is there something about the character of God or God's faithfulness that has become more clear to you as you have poured over the Bible over all these years? Yeah, wow. Yes. Uh, 
certainly the passing of time itself and how God has come through for, for myself as an individual and as, um, in our family, you know, that's, you know, he's proven his faithfulness over and over and over again. And it's, you know, one of the things I tend to do, especially when I'm going through a, a more discouraging time is I will, um, you know, look back on the things that God has done. And as the years have gone by, there's, there's always been this temptation to think that he's going to do the next thing like one of the other past things. But the more, as more time has gone by, what he's shown me is he's hardly done the same thing twice. And so there's, it's all about this, this Abrahamic call of, of walking into the unknown. We never really get a handle on God's faithfulness to us. It's, it, we're called simply to, to trust him. Now, through the years, you know, conceptually, um, I came to discover something that's been there for centuries, and it's this Hebrew term chesed, with a ch, chesed. Chesed is a very difficult word to translate I believe one of the reasons for that is cultural, not so much conception, like conceptual in the word itself. So in, in older English, King James Version, chesed was loving kindness. In newer translations, you're gonna see all sorts of words for chesed. Uh, sometimes it's just plain love. Sometimes it's, it's loyal love or, or that sort of thing. And it's the idea that it's, it's a duty-based love on God's part. And for a lot of people, you know, we talk about, oh, love, it needs to be free, and, you know, and, and that sort of idea. And the idea of, of integrating duty and love together for a, a lot of believers seems to be, well, they just simply reject such an idea. But God has made himself duty-bound to continue to be generous to his people. He is a God of commitment. He's made covenant with us. And it's not, he's not going, oh dear, I made this commitment, I better follow it up. It's, you know, he was glad to do this and, and, he, and, and his action is based on the fact that he's a, a committed, he's a committed one. Um, and it really should mirror our relationships to one another. We, you know, we're called to love one another. Oh, we like to think, oh, we do it out of a sense of freedom and, and this sort of thing, but we, we who were slaves in Egypt, speaking for the Jewish people, are now servants of the Most High God. And that's an idea that's, that it, the, the image of, of slaves redeemed, now slaves of God, is something that's to be embraced by all believers, Jewish or not, that we are now owned by Him. And we are obliged, therefore, to follow in His ways, love Him and love others. But we shouldn't be thinking of that duty as something that we're obliged to do, that we're kind of twist our arms to do it. It's, it's, it's that idea, you know, you have saved my life, therefore I am your servant forever and I am glad to do it. And that's exactly what's God, what God has done. And that's some of the essence of this powerful, deep concept of chesed. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Greg Kelway, a longtime friend, and colleague uh, has two questions. I'll read them to you right now. The 20th anniversary reading sort of stole my question, he says, but how long will you continue to do this? Will there be a 30th anniversary? Smiley face. And then his second question is, how much of your time does it take to create and support Torah Bites each week? Yeah, so first of all, Greg is the one that suggested the, uh, the subscribe uh, function. And I had to fiddle with, uh, Perl script to create some a CGI thing. And it was all, all this was new and I got it to work and uh, we don't do it like that anymore. Um, but uh, always grateful for, for those suggestions. And and my relationship with Greg, Greg actually has been, or I could say you, Greg, um, during a particular stage of my life, getting back into, into some Bible teaching, I, uh, I was doing you're such a big encourager uh, of, of mine and I, to this day, I continue to appreciate that. Um, and so um, I do not know how long I will continue to do this. Um, frankly, I've struggled because I've done it for so many years. Um, can I come up with fresh things each week? Uh, over the past while, I've sometimes repeated ones from the past. I try to go 
far enough back, so I'm not repeating from the, the year before. Um, and then I'm surprised when I do come up with new things after after all this time. Um, and so I I don't know how much longer I'm I'm going to do it. You know, as the Lord wills. How long does it take me? Um, probably doing so everything from working on what I'm going to do if I'm writing a new one, you know, writing it all up. Then I I have to give special thanks to my wife Robin. Uh, she is probably she's edited like 99.9% of all the Torah bites that I've ever written, plus other things that I've written. And so she's had to, out of out of her, out of the chesed, out of her heart, uh, she has been my main editor and, uh, and uh, from time to time has made suggestions of changes. Um, and so through that process, getting it back, me reading it over, f- fixing anything that needs to be fixed, uh, then I can't remember when I started recording it, but it's some way along the way I started doing an audio as well. Um, and uh, so I, that also helps because I'm reading it out loud. It's another way to proof it. Then, so I do that, then I have to do the posting. And so all that, all the way to then sending out the emails and then posting it on Facebook and Twitter, it's probably two hours, probably, maybe it's two and a half, maybe something's a little less, it's something like that. Wow. No. Thanks, Dad, and Craig. Thanks for the question, and congratulations, and Mom, uh, to to you, Mom. We're so thankful and proud that yeah, the twenty five years of my dad writing Torah bites is also twenty five years of you every week uh, taking time to edit my dad's work, and you're such a huge part of this. Uh, speaking of this, uh, my dad wants to give away one of those copies of his his book, which is a collection of Torah bites. Dad, do you want to show us the book? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm very happy with it. It's available on Amazon and book a depository. Um, so just to give some background on this, through the years, I had various people say, oh, you should do a compilation, do a book. And and as the years went by and there were more and more to, to go through, I thought, how in the world am I going to pick a best of? And the idea was to do a best of of each week. Um, and so I, I finally did it uh, a few years ago. And, um, and so there's... Uh, all the messages were edited special uh, for this, and there's a, a one or two uh, new ones that that weren't posted anywhere else, and uh, and so it's it's pretty, and so the first I'm giving away two of these tonight, and the first one is going to uh, Lori uh, Geshki in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. I'll be in touch with you and uh, and make sure I have the right address so you can get a copy. Get your uh, copy. Um, now, now that I'm a dad myself, I feel the reality that uh, it, I think it's pretty common for children to kind of um, roll their eyes sometimes to hear like uh, it's easy for children to be embarrassed by their parents, um, their parents puns, cheesiness, or just not be as it's not as easy sometimes for children to like receive truth from their parents. And that just has not been the case with my dad and my mom. I love my dad's writing. I uh, This isn't an advertisement, but dad, I love your writing. And I have loved receiving Torah bites, reading Torah bites. And my wife and I love uh, reading your devotional, uh, the Torah light book and sharing it with others at mealtime when they come over. Um, I love your speaking too. Um, um, it's because it's, it's good. It's good quality. <laughs> But it's also because you have been so seriously committed to not just studying and writing about the Bible, but actually walking with the God of the Bible that I see the authenticity of your life. And so I'm proud of you, Dad, for your faithful writing of 25 years. But I'm also even more proud of your uh, humble walking with God day in and day out all these 46 years of days. Uh, that you have entrusted your life to God. Uh, speaking of your children, here's a note from Abby. This is the youngest daughter. There are 10 children in our family. And Abby says, Dear Dad, congratulations on 25 years of Torah Bites. The way you have faithfully continued to write and share so consistently for so long is inspirational. I'm so proud of what you've accomplished and can't wait for the next 25 years. Love you lots, Abby. P.S. Buy my dad's Torah Bites book. It's pretty good. I, I didn't advertise. She did. Um, that, yeah, we love you. Um, yeah. More questions. Thank you, so, Abigail, wherever you are. <laughs> probably in front of a computer. Um, Laura Nelson from the beautiful islands off the West Coast of BC, a dear friend, writes, 
in writing each week, how do you get fresh ideas and insights? Oh, there's a very deep, deep, very deep. That's a deep question and the deep answer. I ask God for help. Oh, I should say Barry is currently in Africa, which is a really big continent. He, uh, he only told me he's in Africa, so I don't know which country he's in. Dad, you might know, but this is a man who's been my dad's friend for close to 32 years. Yep. He's the person I found in the grocery store in Montreal and became one of my best friends ever. 1010 recommend. And here he recorded this from wherever he is deep in the heart of Africa. Hey, lifelong friend. Glad to share some thoughts and encouragement for you. Well, 25 years of Torah Bites, congratulations. 25 years ago, I was visiting you in Surrey, BC and enjoying time with you, Robin, and your beautiful kids. So glad to have the occasion to keep adding some wood to the fire of our friendship, which started in the West Island of Montreal almost 40 years ago, if you can believe it. There in Surrey, BC, 25 years ago, you were starting Torah Bites and haven't stopped. I'm not surprised. It always has amazed me, Alan, of all the unique and refreshing streams that flow through your life and how you're able to channel them to others in such life-giving ways. I've read your work, participated in inspiring seminars with you, sat spellbound as you effortlessly bring the Bible to life, marveled as I considered how your unique gifts are such a blessing to so many. More than anything, I've cherished our abiding friendship and the eternal moments we've experienced side by side over the years. You're a troubadour of the King, Alan. And what a song you've been singing in Yeshua's honor for all these years. Keep it going. Congratulations. From all the way from Texas, Devorah, welcome. This is my sister. She's I think you are. Hi. Hi, Devorah. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing pretty well. It's good to see you too. So, um, I got invited to speak <laughs> to you and to everyone here. Um, I am Daniel's sister. I'm also Alan's daughter. Um, and I have the most amazing, almost magical skill set that he can send something he wrote in our house to everybody else. Um, and I remember trying to explain to other children at the time why Tour Bites was a clever name. They did not understand. Um, but it's been really cool to see my dad just faithfully take the Torah scripture every week and write and share truth to other people. Um, and one thing just in preparing for tonight thinking just of all my dad's accomplished, I was looking at some old emails um, I'd sent when I had first moved away from home when I was 18 and uh, not every week, but there were different weeks where I would just last week I was telling a friend of mine, as I often tell friends and uh, other people too. Uh, I think that my dad has just one of the most, comprehensive understanding of scripture of anyone I've ever met. And so to have that, especially when I was just young and moving away from home and to have it today, just um, to be able to read the insights and um, the lessons that my dad has learned in the scripture uh, throughout all that years has just been something that's just been beyond precious to me. And it's cool to see how it's encouraged and instructed and taught me as um, a child, as a teenager. And then even just now as I have my own family that I can still access that through my dad's faithful writings. Um, so I've just, that's how kind of Tor Bites has blessed my life over the years. And I know it's blessed so many other people. So congratulations, dad, on um, something that's a very impressive accomplishment. Technical difficulties. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devora. Devora, I know you have to go and uh, feed your baby, but it's so precious <laughs> to see you. I miss you over here in England. Miss you too. Yeah. Miss you, Devora. Yeah. Thank Definitely. you so much. Bye. Yeah, so special. Uh, Devorah lives in Texas now. I'm in Cambridge, England. My dad's in Ottawa. So uh, yeah, precious getting to have a moment to see Devorah. Um, more questions. Uh, but before we go to the next question, let's go circle back to Laura Nelson's question. Uh, I just I pressed play on Barry's video a little inopportunely. Um, this has been one of my big questions leading up to tonight as well. For, and the question Laura is asking, uh, for those of us who are aspiring writers, um, how do we come up with fresh content? How, like what, what, what is advice you can give us for writing? Yeah. So it's not, it's not a, it's not glib. It's not a pat answer to um, remind ourselves that God is our help. And whether it, 
is trying to figure out what to write and and, and you know now in the these later years of doing Torah bites I, ha I have these ones that I could repeat should I do that should I take the time to do a new one um and what should I speak on and even writing sometimes getting stuck as I go along asking God for help and Daniel I've talked about this before pray out loud don't just think it in your head but no, this is one of the most controversial things. Uh, Dad, why are you so passionate about praying out loud? But, you know, yeah, um, I don't think there is a single, uh, again, there's that Nehemiah pass. We won't get into it. I've commented on this before. You could see it on my channel um, about praying out loud. Um, you know, uh, ask God for help. And, and with things that he's calling us to do, is we've done it before or we to continue on? Is something that he's called to do for a time for an, one instance, is it an ongoing thing? And we need to grow in our reliance upon God. And there's a, a false notion that as we get to know God better, we become less reliant. I believe the more we get to know him, we become more reliant uh, upon him. And that's where our strength is. That's where uh, a creative inspiration comes from. And so we need to rely on him. I, I want to press a little more though on this 25 years of writing every week. Uh, I just, I know there's been a couple times when you, you were on a trip, say to Israel one time that I think you, uh, yeah, that's one of the times where you may have like sent one that you had pre-written a couple of years ago, but for the most part for 25 years, every week, you have been writing fresh content. Um, that means like if, for all of us watching, think about like crazy world events or bad when you've been sick or all these things. Like, how do you, I find it hard to stick with any idea for more than 25 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really get it. Um, it's only as I've grown in the Lord that I've been consistent with anything. Um, I, as a young person, I get bored very easily. Um, and, and we're back to like the, looking to God, should I keep on doing this? If I'm supposed to do it, what do I do with it? And relying on him to, to, to give me the, the inspiration. Also, have... it's a little funny because I look at people who write books, you know, I've, my, I've done a couple of booklets and I've done this Torah light book, but the Torah light book is a compilation of writings I've already done. Um, I, I look at people who write substantial books and I'm, I find that very intimidating. I, still like to to do that sort of thing this is simply uh about a single spaced page per week and uh so let, let you know let this be an encouragement to people like oh, there's a lot of people they have stories to tell they have burdens on their hearts of things to share start small and start in smaller bits and if it grows into something bigger fine but just do what you do and don't worry about it and, um, and leave it with god and see what he does one more question on this, if I may. Um, do you have a regular part of the week? Do you try to do it the uh, first thing, or do you find yourself procrastinating and you're getting in the 25 years of weeks by just like last second? I've done it all. Uh, in the earlier years, um, I would start early in the week. Also, my schedule at the time uh, uh, worked well. Um, I was working during the day. Our, I, I think this was early on. I used to take uh, our... Our, our oldest kids to dance classes in the Vancouver area. And uh, I'd go off to a McDonald's and that's where I would, I would write the draft of, for that week while I was waiting for them and, and before I took them home. And then I would go back to the draft and I'd, I'd do my rewriting. And then as the years went by, because I'd done it so often, it was easier to leave it more to the last minute. Um, I like doing it earlier, but it does tend uh, towards the end of the week for the for the following week is normally when I write it. Thanks, Dan. Steve has a question, and it has to do with the name of God. But before I ask that question, I have to ask you this: um, What was your go-to order at McDonald's oh, back then? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, probably a, probably a Coke and fries. <laughs> Classic. Okay, Steve Skinner asks, how do you translate and pronounce God's name into English? Okay, so I have a whole teaching on that, and I could send that out. I could, I'm hoping to, all being well, I'm going to post this video as one, as a Thinking Biblically podcast that I try to do most weeks, and I could, I could put my presentation on that. 
um, there. And then that, okay. it, it, I think it would take too long to, to deal with, with it here. Okay. But it is, a, it is a good question. Um, yeah, Steve, you ask good questions. Stuart and Jan Wilson have a question. Do you have responses from Jewish people who are inquiring about faith in Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah? Say that again. This is the question. Do you have responses from Jewish people who are inquiring about faith in Yeshua as a Jewish Messiah? Maybe the question, the question might be asking. Do I have responses like, like, like ready-made answers? Well, I I don't know if they're asking if you have, um, do you have people who are um, Jewish people not believing in Yeshua who come across your work and respond to your work, do you, or do you have they could elaborate in the in in the Q and A? Would that help? True, that would be great. That would be great. Feel free, Jan and Stuart Wilson, to elaborate on your question. Um, I'm going to read a note from another person in the UK who uh, has stayed up very late uh, regularly to be on my dad's Bible teaching stuff. Uh, we did a 20-week course last year. I said to my dad, Dad, this is not a good idea. I, I'm a young person, and I'm just telling you right now, people are Zoomed out, and nobody wants to do 20 weeks of their evenings on Zoom. But I was wrong. 200-something people signed up for the course on the Old Testament, on the Hebrew Scriptures, and my dad, it was it was such, it was one of the highlights of a year that was filled with highlights, uh, was getting to do that 20 week and course. And lowlights. So during COVID, there were all a lot of lowlights too. And it was a real pleasure to do that course with you, Daniel. Daniel was hosted it for most of the 20 weeks. Real. But Keith George, who was in England, was tuning in at, I don't know what that was, 12 a.m. Um, every week. And he wrote a note to my dad that I would love to read to my dad. Dear Alan and Daniel, Keith, thanks for including me. Dear Alan and Daniel, first of all, many congratulations for an amazing milestone of such a great ministry. I think together with my congregation, we have been with you for most of the 25 years. I give thanks to the Lord for your inspiring and uplifting messages, which have been such a guidance and direction on the word of God. I was richly blessed when you wrote your books, which are still used in our congregation. The study on the Old Testament was a great joy, and to be part of the live Pesach Seder was very special and inspiring. Again, the Thinking Biblically sessions, the 20-week course, have been a source of guidance. Oh, the Thinking Biblically podcast has been a great source of guidance and teaching for the days we are living in. I pray you will be guided by the Ruach Kadosh on many more years of teaching the truth. To finish on a personal thank you, you've been a deep inspiration, help, and guidance to me in my ministry, and for this, I give thanks to the Lord. Hear the words of Yeshua, Alan, thou good and faithful servant. Many blessings in Yeshua to you and the family, Keith George. Thank you, Keith, so much for those words and the various emails I have received from you, especially over the past couple of years that have been a real blessing to me. It's kind of funny because I don't get a lot of responses. I've done all sorts of things in trying to get people to send in comments. They can respond by email as well. I post on Facebook. I don't know if Facebook isn't delivering my, my stuff to people um, or people are just not responding. And then every now and then I hear from somebody like Keith. I remember years ago, um, I don't know if it was a time where I was thinking of stopping. I think what it was, I was delayed or I took a week off or something like that. And somebody from, I think it was South Africa, emailed me and it's like, where is Torah Bites? We use it in our congregation. And I thought, whoa, I can't believe that that, that the people are doing that sort of thing. Um, and so you just, you never know. You never know. Well, this is what I do know. Don Hutchinson wrote in and said, Don Hutchinson is a lawyer and a uh, author an advocate for religious freedom around the world. He wrote in and said, if there's one word I would use to describe your dad, it's two words, faithful and steadfast. Which I think it's technically three words, but Don, thank you so much for writing. Well, and. And, yes. And. Uh, no, Don, thank you so much yeah. for taking time to write in. Thank you, Don. Uh, we love you, Don. Um, we're getting toward the end, but my dad promised two more things. One, that he would give away another book, and two, that he would read, that he would premiere the forthcoming Torah Bites. We've been around for 25 years of 25 weeks, and this is the next one. So, Dad, why don't you read to us 
the next tour bites that none of us have ever heard. And then also give away another book. Um, and everyone will have a chance to say thank you in another minute. But thank you so much for being with us. It is 1 a.m. over here in Cambridge, England. And I'm so glad that you've taken time out of your the busyness of your life to be here and mark this milestone with my dad. Yeah, so um, I thought it would be fun to wait for this uh, occasion to read this week's Torah Bites. Uh, and so I'm going to read it as I normally read it in the audio version, um, except when I do the audio version, I can't tell you how many times I stop and restart uh, because as you've already heard me, I kind of stumble over my own reading. So here we go. This is Alan Gilman with Torah Bites for the week of November the 5th, 2022, the 11th of Heshvan, 5783. This week's Torah portion is Bereshit, Genesis chapter... No, I don't normally do it that way. I don't say that anymore, do I? I'm going to start again. I probably didn't have to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. This is Alan Gilman with Torah Bites for the week of November the 5th, 2022, the 11th of Heshvan, 5783. This week's message is entitled, God's Promise Plan, and I'm reading from Bereshit, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I remember where I was when the importance of this passage first hit me. It was the summer of 1980. I'd been a believer for almost four years, and I was in the first few months of marriage. My wife and I were with some friends of ours attending a special lecture by renowned Old Testament scholar Walter C. Kaiser Jr. in Toronto. Kaiser was emphasizing God's promise plan as the central theme of Scripture, a teaching that has been core to his life's work. Through the years, I've come to be leery about supposed interpretive keys as if there are elements of God's written word upon which everything else hangs. We need to be careful not to allow our deductions from Scripture, however legitimate they may be, to become the lens through which we view the whole Bible. Since the Bible is God's only authoritative, inspired, written revelation of Himself in life, we must always compare our personal conclusions with the Bible itself. This is easier said than done. The Bible is surprisingly cohesive for a collection of such a wide variety of writings by a great many authors over a long period of time. The vast number of recurring themes and common concerns, along with innumerable, innumerable allusions to past events, plus the foreshadowing and prediction of future events, many of those fulfilled within its own pages, begs for it to be reduced to neatly defined categories. Yet the Bible itself isn't written that way. A categorical approach can easily obscure the depth and detail of Scripture, including the nuance and ambiguity that is not only part of its charm, but often provides the gateway to its depth of meaning. With that caution in mind, it's hard to deny that God's promise of restoration isn't a driving force throughout Scripture, beginning in the garden when God pronounces eventual doom upon the serpent. I remember Dr. Kaiser saying in 1980 that Genesis 12 was the true beginning of the biblical story, while the first 11 chapters of Genesis functioned as an introduction. Whether this was God's intent or not, we cannot say for sure, but I understand what Kaiser was saying. Genesis chapters 1 through 11 set the stage for the outworking of God's plans and purposes. Human beings, having been, having been created by God as stewards of the creation under his rule, rebelled against his word, resulting in the curse the broken state of affairs we've all been born into ever since. From the time of their rebellion, God determined to restore all things, while life on planet Earth went from bad to worse. The flood demonstrates God's determined commitment to his creation project, while Babel reflects the ongoing depraved state of humankind. Against this backdrop, God calls Avram, or in English, Abram, whose name was later changed to Avraham, or in English, Abraham a childless elderly man to leave family and the familiar to journey to an unknown environment if he would do so through his descendants god's blessing would come to the whole world thus alleviating the curse this is the story of the bible the bible's story is the development of avraham's descendants the people of israel it's how god worked in and through them to bless the whole world it was to them that God revealed himself and his ways while demonstrating humanity's inability to resolve our broken, cursed state on our own. 
it would take God himself in the person of the greatest Jewish king, the Messiah, to defeat evil in all its forms, reconciling people to himself. I believe it was from Kaiser that summer day in 1980 that I first heard the connection between the call of Avram and Paul's words in Galatians 3 verse 8, which I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. By calling God's promise to, Abraham, uh, to Avram the gospel, the good news, we are to understand that the proclamation of Messiah's rule over the earth is the vehicle by which blessing comes to the nations. It's when we trust in the Messiah Yeshua that the power of the curse is removed from our lives and equips us to be instruments of blessing in the footsteps of Avram. Thanks, Dad. It's so special uh, to get to hear a fresh one that we've never heard, and this in particular. Um, did you want to give away another copy of Torah Light? Yes, so the second copy uh, goes to Rosianne de Costa in Mount Albert, Ontario. Again, I'll be in touch with you about you receiving that. Amazing. Well, like my dad mentioned, I mean, he's been writing this for 25 years, 25 weeks of years. And as a lot of people who write or on radio, etc., know, you can be pouring your heart into stuff, pouring your heart into this, and don't always receive feedback. And I know it's similar for me where I'll read stuff from my dad and just be blessed and go forth in my day. And so it's really special. I'm grateful for everybody taking time to log on, be with us today, and get to celebrate my dad together. What's, what's so dad, did you say 25 weeks of years? It's a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Take 25 years of me. 21. A lot of days. A lot of days. Yeah. Everyone, thank you so much for being here and celebrating my dad with me. And dad, I know I speak for all of us when I say I'm proud of you, I'm grateful for you, and I look forward to being ministered to you through your writing and your friendship. Yeah, well, again, thank you so much for staying up this late, Daniel, and, and doing this with me like old times, and hopefully we'll be able to do more of these in the future. Absolutely. Hey, for people who, uh, we mentioned your podcast, if people want to hear your podcast, where would they find your podcast? Yeah, so you can go to thinkingbiblically.org or go to my Alan Gilman YouTube channel. Um, you, you, that's how you can access uh, the video podcast. It's also available uh, on the major uh, audio podcast providers. So if you search for Thinking Biblically, uh, Alan Gilman, uh, you should be able to find it. And you can always contact me directly um at uh for this but i'll use info at torahbytes.org if you have any direct questions my dad also does tons of speaking and preaching and bible teaching and seminars and workshops on the bible uh, i believe later on he's going to alberta to spend some time there at some churches and such and he also has toured europe which i'm selfishly hoping happens again sometime soon so if anybody here has a venue Maybe it's a church, maybe it's a synagogue, maybe it's the, your backyard and you'd love my dad to come and preach or to Bible teach or just share some of his puns. Uh, please uh, contact my dad. Uh, dad, what is a good way for people to contact you? Yeah, same way. So info at TorahBytes.org uh, is fine. Awesome. Yeah, and also my dad, uh, yeah, my, my dad's writing. He uh, So much of this stuff, he's just giving away for free. And it takes time, it takes his expertise, and it is all um, people supporting that, making it possible. So if you would like a charitable tax receipt uh, and make him part of your charitable givings, that'd also be amazing. And to do that, one can go to... Yeah, alangilman.ca slash support. And tax-deductible receipts are available for U.S. and Canadian donors. Mm. Yeah, so thank you, Dad, again for your time. Um, again, people writing, some some are putting in the um, chat for everyone and others, just the panelists. I see a note saying, uh, Robin, we're so proud of you. And that is the case. Uh, thank you again, everybody. And uh, we look forward to being in touch. Again, uh, my wife and baby, who are both blissfully asleep because it's 1.10 a.m. in Cambridge, England, are also so grateful for everyone's friendship. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Let me again thank Daniel uh, for taking time and, and staying up late to... Uh, uh, help host that special event last night and also a special thank you to uh, the other people who contributed 
uh, by sending in videos coming on live, like my daughter Devora, and other people who uh, sent in comments and questions. If you haven't ever checked out Torah Bytes, or even if you have, uh, if you go to TorahBytes.org, uh, I have all my Torah Bytes messages from November 1997. They're all there for, for you to read. Many of them are in audio. Uh, if you don't receive Torabytes yet, when you're at the Torabytes site, you could fill in, uh, just fill in your email address in the subscribe box. Uh, it's a lot easier than it was when I first did this way back when, and you'll receive Torabytes every week uh, by by email. Also, if you're interested in getting your own copy of Torah Light, the best of compilation of Torah Bytes messages. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Book Depository, and many other online booksellers. I'll, I'll put a couple of links in the description below. If you have any comments or questions, you could always send them to comments at thinkingbiblically.org. And so until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically.